Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. A guide to starting um, a successful hockey podcast from the ground up. Do not grind and put in the effort and hours and learn the technical skills and become better informed and watch games and practice and work through some like tough times and hard hours and just like sacrifice a lot and really try to connect with the fan base and the community and always try to better yourselves and and, uh, reinvest in the show and find ways to, to improve. None of that. The actual guide is have a cute kid and teach them how to say players' names. End of story. It is imperative that the kid is cute. They don't even have to be particularly good at saying the names. It's actually better if they're not good at saying the names. But that is all you have to do. Because five years in, and Mika has already become the most popular part of this podcast with she's been on 16 TSN, seconds of effort tsn the red wings feed the griffins feed bar down yeah she's she's doing better in life than i am and she's probably on a billboard in china somewhere <laughs> not that anyone can see those right now yeah uh you know why she's doing better because we got meatheads who have a drink and then <laughs> put the drink down on the side without a coaster <laughs> Excuse me. This is why we're on YouTube now. It's essentially the only reason we get any kind of YouTube growth is just people like watching you. Someone said uh, they expected Brad to look like Evan and they expected Evan to look like Brad. Oh, Oh, God. Yeah. So um, back to having a cute kid. You are lucky, sir, that you've had two cute kids. Both of those kids came out looking like Crystal. And one of them came out built like a Mack truck. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely not you. Oh, he had a he had a checkup today. He's in the top five percent for height and top fifteen percent for weight for his age. You had a tall kid. Mika's really super tall for her age too. At every <laughs> check in she's ever had, and still, I'm the only one. Your crystal's tall. The kids are tall. <laughs> I don't get. I life sucks. Your proportions are so funny. Like you're not a, like you're short, but you're not like a small guy. You look like uh, Evan. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but Brad looks like. You know when uh, uh, artists who work with like marble and stone, they start with a big block, like a square block. Yep. They started to chisel out uh, a head and then they kind of just stopped a third of the way in. And that's kind of Brad's head. <laughs> they, they started doing the head and then they realized that, oh, crap, I don't have any block below the head. <laughs> They're like, I only have four feet, three feet to work with. <laughs> so it ended up looking like one of those uh, things they sell at uh, an unknown game store. You know what the big heads yeah, and the yeah, little yeah, bodies? Yeah. It looks Taco like whatever. Yeah, whatever those are called. <laughs> the Funko Pops. Yeah. Winged Wheel Podcast Funko Pop. Can can when are those gonna come out? I hope soon. They'd be funny. Brad's would just fall over. Yeah. You shake the head and just <laughs> fall over. <laughs> Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm now sick. And I'm Evan. If uh the coronavirus doesn't kill us first, it will be Brad who will eventually get fed up with the ruthless attacks that Evan and I Lovely unto him. Um, I am currently getting over my sickness, and you seem to have started. I will bet you that you picked yours up from me. Yeah, that's the absolute likely case when my wife, daughter, and son have had it for the last week. And I want no need to get snarky. <laughs> I licked your pop filter before you got here. That's uh, okay. I don't think it was any of those things, honestly. I'm pretty sure it was my recent trip to China that did it. 
Uh, I actually went to the doctor, um, <clears throat> and it was a, a diagnosed man cold, so I have uh, unfortunately survived, and I'm here with you too. I'm good. I actually don't feel sick at all. Yet. Evan's always uh, in the most annoying state. Like, when he has every right to be sick or tired, he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. And, like, when we're, like, pepped up and rearing to go, like, a big, like, draft lottery episode or, like, preview episode, Evan's like, all right, let's get this thing done. I haven't slept in 18 weeks. For some reason, everything for me comes at once. It all really the good does. stuff happens at once. All the bad stuff happens at once. It doesn't spread itself out. I think that's... Wait, you're supposed to get good stuff? <laughs> oh, I mean, enough to get me by. Well, enough pr- that doesn't induce a drink. When so you I- feel like... When you have kids, Brad, they don't give you extra good stuff to give to the kids. The kids just take yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, having kids is the weirdest thing ever because it's the best thing you've ever done. And all you want to do is play with them and hug them and they're the best thing about your life. But you never have energy to do any of that because of the kids. <laughs> it's It doesn't make sense. Well, I would love to sympathize, but I would also I also love not being able to sympathize. And with that, uh, on this episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking about the Red Wings, uh, some players, their development schedule, everything like that. Uh, we'll be talking about the salary cap, uh, some news with the salary cap. So we'll be taking a look at what's in the future for the Red Wings across the league, uh, some implications. Um, it just maybe more of a philosophical discussion about the salary cap because it's one that is newly relevant to the team. Um, and then we have our usual tankathon, which I will subject you guys to, and then some quick hits uh, from across the league before heading into overtime. Uh, before we do that, uh, some news about our upcoming meetups. We have two meetups. Uh, the first one, which is in the last weekend of March, uh, Friday the 27th and Saturday the 28th in Grand Rapids. So our first ever, um, first of hopefully many to come Grand Rapids meetups, which um, uh, will be the we'll be going to two games. The Griffins have a game on the 27th and 28th. Have I repeated myself a lot of times? <laughs> no, we're just watching your mic oh, slowly go. <laughs> Stupid. <sighs> what a day. The <laughs> This is why we have YouTube. It genuinely is. I don't even edit these parts out anymore because I know the YouTube following is going to enjoy them. And maybe the people listening will be encouraged to go check it out. Um, <laughs> The meetup is going to be happening on the 28th before that evening game, but on the 27th as well, we'll be meeting people at the arena. We encourage you to come say hi. Uh, it's Margarita weekend or Margarita night. And then two. I think that's Saturday. That's Saturday. Anyways. And then Friday night's the purple jersey auction. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, we'll have a ton of stuff to give away, a ton of stuff to. Yeah, I don't know. We just kind of, people who have been to our meetups, we just kind of throw stuff at you. So, Tunnel Winged Wheel Podcast swag. Uh, I'll have to show up on time. You will have to show up on time. I'll already be there. Yeah. that's We tricked Evan by showing up a day early. Um, the location for the actual meetup is to be announced. It's almost finalized, but I don't want to give you guys something and then switch it up on you. So, stay tuned for that. If you don't follow us at Winged Wheel Pod, I'll also post something on um, the website, on the blog section. Uh, the meetup for the final game of the season, April 4th against Tampa Bay. We have uh, booked out the top floor of the Detroit Beer Company, which is just uh, like just under a 10-minute walk over to the LCA, which will be good. So uh, we'll have beer out for you guys. We'll have some food, uh, some drinks. Come out, hang out, enjoy the last game of the season. Let's celebrate making it, th- making it through this uh, hellscape nightmare or whatever other word you want to come up with. That was our first ever 
unofficial meetup location, right? Detroit Beer Company. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool that we've kind of circled back there. Uh, and again, I'll be putting out a post about that. So if you guys can make it to one or both, amazing. Um, these are the highlights of our season, especially this season when almost nothing else good has happened. So stay tuned. All right. The Red Wings. Uh, oh, uh, another thing that we didn't talk about, but we should probably mention is March Madness. Oh, I forgot about March Madness. I know. I, I didn't even think about it till I got an invite to a different pool today. I was like... That's your domain. Yeah. So, um, when does that have to go out? I think the picks become available on the 15th. So, we got another... We'll figure it out offline, but um, just so people are wondering if we're doing that again, the answer is yes, but details to be determined. Patrons who take part... Stay tuned. Uh, the Red Wings had one game since we spoke last um, against Colorado. Uh, Nothing happened. They had 18 shots. Robbie Fabry killed a guy, and it still led to a goal for the Avs. That's about <laughs> the summary of the game. Yeah, Robbie Fabry murdered Gabriel Landeskog. They they didn't have a zoom in on that hit, which I'm appreciative of, so we didn't have to see whether he jumped or elbowed him. Um, but yeah, that was a he devastated him. And then that say like literally, Landeskog sacrificed the body for an assist on a goal. So. It was the right play, but I conveniently, when I clipped it, clipped out the goal afterwards. No, we don't need to acknowledge this repeatedly. I agree. Uh, Just assume when every GIF or video you watch of the Red Wings this season, just assume that immediately after it ends, it was followed by a goal against. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, another thing that we didn't mention that we should talk about now, because there's literally nothing else to say about that game. Um, April 9th. The misery ends. The suffering, the anticipation, and the anxiety ends. Or it just begins. It ju- or it just begins. And somehow Detroit loses five spots and they go to... Sixth overall. Sixth overall. As is tradition. The NHL draft lottery is uh, reportedly going to take place on April 9th, according to uh, Corey Pronman, uh, what he believes to be the case. Thursday, April 9th. Um, the details are still to be announced the nhl has a tendency to not kind of clarify about these things for a long time it better be the mascots up there it better be the mascots la wants to send will ferrell which is funny mascots yeah yeah that's amazing I but th- it's way too much fun so we'll see the gms there if we're, if if la sending will ferrell who's the detroit equivalent who are M- we sending we're sending eminem eminem jeff daniels Kristen Bell is a big Detroit sports fan. I feel like even though they're bigger names, you got to go with like the guy who's been with them forever. It's got to be Dave Coulier, right? No, yeah, that's another good one. Or the unveiling of Ali Octopus as the mascot. And you know how this, the chairs are His awkwardly close together? just knocks yeah. everybody else around him off the chair. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, so April 9th, I hope they don't do that stupid thing where they split it across two intermissions again. So we have to watch a whole hockey game that we don't care about. The two minutes it takes Bill Daly to go through all those cards are like the most nerve wracking thing. The the most nerve wracking thing I go through every year, which just further reminds me, God, I need the Red Wings to be good again. I hate this so much. Yeah. Um, we're going to be doing two things that day. So first we're going to be doing a live stream, uh, before and during the draft lottery. And then once the cards all have been drawn for better or for worse, well, it'll be, uh, finishing up the live stream and then recording an episode to put out to you guys immediately afterwards. So the Sunday prior will be our, um, final countdown episode to the draft lottery. And then we'll have our live stream the day or during the draft lottery and then the episode right after, um, I hope this is the last ever draft lottery. It won't be, but I hope it is because it drives me nuts. 
Um, it's just misery. It's just I because <laughs> here's how you gotta think about it. Even if the Red Wings win the draft lottery, the first fourteen card, thirteen cards they flip is misery. Yeah, because you can't. You don't want to see anything other than the reverse order of the standings. Yeah, exactly. Because like, if we're at card eight, you'd be like, oh, well, the Red Wings can't pick eighth. No, but if that card turns over a different team, that's one less option. We literally want to get all the way to pick four, and it's exactly the order. And just the bottom three teams are going to jumble up the draft lottery. That is the least amount of stress we could possibly have in that scenario. Can you imagine they get to pick like seven and three teams already out of place, and you already know Detroit's picking fourth? I would. Okay. <laughs> Might as well just turn it off. If, de- if Detroit is picking fourth, this is the alternative I would like to have because that gives us more time to express our reaction which from a growth standpoint would be great because that would be super entertaining for everybody watching on the live stream because I can break a lot of shit in that time. <laughs> you, like if they get to pick four and then they flip it over and it's the Red Wings, that's pretty instant, right? Like I don't – I'm putting. Well, a, I'm not going to have to do it, but if I have eight whole cards to flip where I can start throwing crap around the room, the entertainment value does increase. I am going to be putting up foam panels in this room for the sake of soundproofing, and it might be prudent to do that before as a safety measure as well. You're going to put foam panels over that window there, champ? You think I won't? Over the TV? Maybe for the best. Over Evan? There's no saving Evan. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll just put you in a straight jacket. Really, why haven't we put Brad in a straight jacket is our, our honest question. Um, Moritz Sider is close to returning in Grand Rapids. He's skating with the team, I believe, and is eyeing a near return. And here is my, and I, I know Evan, you don't like when I tweet or I read out my tweets that I put out before, but I, um, I don't know how else to be, but here's my lukewarm take on Moritz Sider. Don't call him up to Detroit this season. Especially, we knew this would be a rough end of the season, but especially after the trade deadline where everything just feels so like, What's the point? Dead. And the I team. The word you're looking for is dead. Dead. And the team is putting up like 15 to 19 shots of support for their defense and goaltending any given game. Why call him up to play with Cody Golubev and instead just leave him down with Grand Rapids so he doesn't get pummeled and hurt again, first of all. And he plays important hockey because they're in the middle of a playoff race and, and prepping for a, a hopeful long run in the postseason. Like yes. that's that's actual hockey that matters. Like yes, the nine games would be nice, but at the same time, he's not learning anything. Not from this team. No, like it, it's good to get a look, and I'm sure they want to see that. But I think what you lose in that opportunity is much less significant than what you would gain from having him play in Grand Rapids, where he's gelling, he was doing well, and he actually really matters to that. Oh, so you're saying almost like consistency and routine like are beneficial for a player's development. Yeah, I mean, yes, but like we were talking nine games no matter what. I know what you're you're trying to say here. I know what you're going to lead into. And I think these are two different cases. They're very different cases. Ish. But I'm not sure where our opinion our opinions will land on that. I'm not sure if we disagree or not. Thomas Yurko? Yes, of course. Exactly. Thomas Yurko. That's a name that hasn't been said in a while. Where is uh, he? Edmonton. I don't know. I think he's in Edmonton. No, he's not playing for Edmonton. He might be in their system, but he ain't playing for them. He is currently, yeah, he's he's playing with their AHL affiliate Bakersfield. Hmm. Anyhow. Um, yes, you're right. You agree with me? That's yeah, the That's thing I don't like is when you retweet your own tweet with a comment. 
When did I do that? Oh, you do it all the time. Yeah, maybe it's just to expand on a point. Maybe it's just to piss you off, Evan. It, it maybe it's to get is. some goddamn life out of you for <laughs> once. I see. The one time you did it, it was you retweeted one of your gifts yeah. and added a comment, and it was like five or like ten minutes after you first sent it. I was like, why don't you just add to the bottom of the tweet? <laughs> you see, you know, you're on Twitter enough to notice that, but not to actually tweet. <clears throat> no. Look at this guy. I'm when I'm on the podcast account and I'm like I look through both of your timelines to see if there's anything like relevant to the game that I should be retweeting. I always check yours and sometimes I don't even check Evans because he hasn't tweeted in like six days besides just retweeting the podcast episode tweets. I, I, I do what I do. And you have how many followers? Like twenty five hundred. Uh, something like that's that. gotta I be the know. cheapest 2500 followers i've ever seen hey I'm, I'm a lunch pail guy check in <laughs> check out you're you not know? a lunch pail guy lunch pail guys put in work there's that's white true. collar there's blue collar and there's he's alex kovalev he just checks in on the power play <laughs> yeah, i'm awesome. walking around with a clipboard and a pen and no one really knows what i'm doing but yeah. I, I look busy what exactly would you say you do here that's a good question Meanwhile, when Evan's not here, Brad and I are like gassed and winded by the end of the episode. We're like, Jesus, that was awful. Yep. I hate I hate what you are to me. I and know. I hate what you are to this show. Yep. I don't hate you, but I'm also not far. Okay. <laughs> that, that doesn't I won't lose any sleep over that. When do you, do you sleep? <laughs> oh, I, I go to bed at ten every night and wake up at seven every day. What are you? Yeah, every day. That Even th- on the weekends, I'll get up at like 7.30 now. That physically hurt me to hear that. <laughs> Look, I know I'm weird. I know I'm, I'm weird in a lot of ways. Um, and what I do is I don't not recognize it because I don't want to face my realities. I don't recognize it because I don't think there's a point because I'm never going to change. I feel bad that you guys have to go through it, but it is what it is. I think all three of us are so uniquely, stupidly weird. And that's the only reason this show is gelled. It's... it's- yeah. There's no scientific formula to to tell us why it works. But holy shit, I don't understand either of you as people. The math doesn't add up, but it the solution works. I'm pretty sure the description's right on my face with these bags, but again, one for each child. <laughs> <laughs> ding 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 ding. Uh, so anyways, I'm not sure how that all related to most cider. Somewhere but. Terry's clenching his fist. Gosh, back to hockey. Uh Chalosky is what you want to talk about. I want to talk about Chalosky because I got ripped on for what I thought was a fairly innocent tweet, like a little inflammatory, but it was kind of meant to be. It's Twitter. If you're not pissing someone off, you're not doing your job. Go ahead. At what point is the yo-yoing of Dennis Chalosky actually like actually hindering his development? Because it feels like he doesn't play anywhere for longer than two weeks at this point. Has yo-yoing ever worked in the history of player development for any sport? I was trying to, again, without doing any deep dive off the top of my head, I could not think of a success story there. I feel like you'd have to be like an absolute top-tier potential player to for that to ever remotely work. All right. I don't disagree. I think the yo-yoing in a vacuum is not good. Like, yeah, you got to be, it's got to be a specific situation where, like Evan said, you're a top tier player and there's just like a system thing and like the spot hasn't fully opened up yet. But I think in the long run, if Chalosky pans out, because that's a real question now, this doesn't like, do these last 20 games of up and down really matter? Like, I don't. Yeah, I think it matters a lot to him because he's got to iron out the kinks in the game. So he's got to spend his days and his whenever 
dedicated time he has to honing his craft, not worrying about where he's eating his next meal, when his travel is, who isn't team. Like consistency for development matters a lot, regardless of what players say. Your routine is everything when you're playing at that high of a level. And how could he have one? He doesn't know where he's living on a day-to-day basis at this point, let alone where he's playing, who he's playing with, what the system is, yada, yada, yada. It's I don't like it. I don't like it. Like someone posted a chart of how many times the Red Wings prospects have been like recalled and sent down this year, and it's actually staggering. May as well just call Brian Lashoff. Just get it over with and just yeah. leave our prospects where they need to be. Um the what if this is the situation? What if they want to leave him down because what we just talked about with Cider, where it's more important for him to play down? Um what if they didn't want to call up Chelowski, but all of the injuries now with the green trade, they're like, we really aren't left with a choice. Evan already answered that question for you, Brian Lashoff. We don't care about... Br- have we even I'm got sure- a Brian Lashoff game this year? Yeah, I think yeah, we've we had have, a couple. Yeah. I was going to say, the f- fans can't be starved with that. Brian Lashoff's a good guy. He's useful to the Red Wings organization. We do not and should not care about his development at this point because he's like 38 or however old he is, he's the guy that you're not going to hurt by yo-yoing because he is who he is. If you're keeping, if you want to call recall Chalosky, sure. I've got lots of good arguments for why he should be in the NHL. I've got lots of good arguments for why he should be in the AHL, but they're all rendered moot when he's doing both at the same time. Don't half-ass two things. Full ass one thing. Chalosky is hard to watch in the, because he came up in and around the same time as Hronik. And we see how well Hronik's done. And it's like, well, Chalosky was projecting to almost do just as well, or at least continue progressing positively, and then fell off. And then given another opportunity, and it's kind of hasn't been able to stick. So I don't know. I don't, like, I agree. The, the yo-yoing sucks. I just have a hard time caring about anything at this juncture in the season. And for me, it's like Chalosky, ha- he's not been given a fair shake. I don't think anyone could be given a fair shake on this version of the Red Wings. But he's also not done an astounding amount to defend his position. I was upset when it happened early on in the season. And, and if you guys go back and listen, I was, I was really disappointed when he was sent down then. Because I think he was hardly the worst defenseman on this team. But he also, I don't know, he hasn't really sold himself as much yes he has not this season and that's the horrifying part because do we all forget how good dennis chelowski's first two months were in the nhl last season what the hell happened i'm not going to sit here and say dennis chelowski's performed up to those levels since no he absolutely hasn't but god i feel like a broken record but you can't put that on the player at that point when he's regressed that much it's the team dragging him down or the coaching staff dragging him down or something dragging him down because he's shown he can be a dynamic offensive player in the NHL we all know his defensive deficiencies I'm not going to sit here and defend him and say oh he's a great defenseman what the hell are you all talking about no he's not but he was working out the kinks in the NHL at the best level against the best players which last year I thought was the right course of all right course so when he was sent down last season i thought that was insanely stupid and then this year they again it's up and down if you think his development is so far behind that he can't be a regular in the nhl that's fine i'm not so passionate about it that i'm gonna say he's absolutely an nhl player right now sure put him in grand rapids leave him there let him work it out let him put no thought into anything other than improving whatever you're asking him to improve so it's just gotta hate this organization right now. I love them and I hate them. 
It's just nothing can be, we can't even be bad. Simply, we have to make it complicated. I like if you want, like, is the worst part is too about this for me. Look at what they're doing with every other top end prospect this year. They've buried him in Grand Rapids and there hasn't even been a thought about calling them up. So, why is Chalosky the guy? Because, well, uh, I'm arguing with you because I like to do it, and I'm arguing with you to kind of show the other side of the argument, but not necessarily because I disagree with you. The reason why they're on like this like fringe yes, no, yes, no, hot, cold on Chalosky is because of those first two months of his first season that they that you talked about. They've seen it from him and they want to see if they can get that out of him again. And again, I'm not saying he hasn't shown any of that, but I'm doing a lot of devil's advocate right now. I'm li- like I I after the trade deadline, I've like a switch flip for me and I've become numb. I'm like it can't matter, right? Like it's 15, 16 games left. Like who cares? Nothing, I forgot the score of the Colorado game five minutes after. Nothing matters for this team for anybody over the age of 23 right now. No. But everybody under that age, everything matters to them right now. They are all that matters. Well, let's talk about Chalowski. He's not going to be a guy who's going to pan out quickly if he does. Like, I don't even think next year at this rate will be a year where he's all of a sudden going to break out and be a stud. He might find a little bit more consistency and work out his game a little bit. But with the way he's kind of progressing, this is the the kind of defenseman where you say, what, what, what do we say, like 500, 200, however many games we say a defenseman needs before you really know what you have. Chalosky's the kind of guy where you know he's talented, but you might need that full set of however many hundred games before you know what you have in him. And he's going to get there 10 games a season at a time. <laughs> if this happens next season, I'll, I'll concede that there's like literally no excuse. I just like right now, I'm like, I don't think, I think this team is out of gas. They're just coasting to the finish line. It is what it is. The wind is out of their sails. They're literally just riding on whatever backwards momentum they have. They show up to the games and they they get on the ice and that's the gist just of it. Get it done. It's get you it just get with. it over with. That's how fans feel watching the game. And you know what? It's not like a. It's what's expected. We knew this is what it was going to be from the start. That's what a rebuild is. This the only reason it's this bad right now is because the rebuild was put off for so long, and these are just the casualties of it. This I don't. This is the ultimate test. Oh yeah, yeah. Red Wing, as someone uh, a, a Leafs fan or a Flyers fan was like, Red Wings fans really aren't good at losing. I'm like, you know what? For for, for it's our first time trying. For yeah, people. I think a lot of people are doing pretty well considering this is a franchise that's seen a quarter of a century of straight success. That's more than the Patriots can can speak for. I mean, they don't have six rings, but still, like you, we got four. We got four in that time. The, the Red Wings fans are having to go through the lowest of lows. When Red Wings fans talked about like peaks and valleys and coming into this rebuild, no casual fan expected the valleys to be this deep. We did not know. No. We fell off a cliff. We knew it would be bad. Like even us who like were saying like this is going to suck when we eventually rebuild, we didn't think it'd be this bad, but we had an understanding that it was going to be bad, the kind of bad that we haven't experienced before. Yeah, the bad's always bad. It's always you can always talk about the bad until it happens, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is so much worse." I always appreciate um, our fans who have uh, been around and experienced um, the Dead Wings era and eras previous to this whole quarter century of straight success because they just provide such like a calming presence. They're like, "Oh, this is nothing." Like, I was surprised that it took this long for it to happen again. Don't worry, it gets better, and it did. So you can only be 
hopeful that it doesn't take 40 years or whatever that drought was. All we need is a Lidstrom, a Fedorov, an Iserman, and we're good. And moving on, uh, some Red Wings prospects. Antituomisto um, has had a big news day because he won um, a couple of big awards in the um, Finnish Junior League. I believe it's a U20 league. Yep. Best player and best defenseman and also named to the all-star team of the U20 SM Liga after the regular season. Yeah, that was fun to see on Twitter for three seconds before you started reading all the responses and opinions on it. And hi, everybody. Um, we're allowed to be happy about something. Uh, does this mean anti Tuomisto is uh, definitely going to be a top pairing all-star defense? But no, it absolutely does not. But it's a damn good sign. So just take <laughs> it as what it is. It's a promising sign. You're allowed to be happy about it without proclaiming he is the next Nicholas Lidstrom. It's, it's oh yeah, please don't do that. It's it's fine. He's it's a good sign. <clears throat> Would I have taken him over a Nick Robertson? No, I haven't changed my opinion on that. But it makes me feel better about it. Yeah, it's like one of those things. Um, and Prashanth brought up a couple of good points about like comparable um, scoring because someone was like his scoring was uh, outpaces Issa Lindell or is close to Issa Lindell, who's obviously a strong defense. Lindell. Oh yeah, I always mess that up over in Dallas. And Prashanth brought up a couple of points saying like, oh well, like. The it's the junior league. Here's a bunch of other players who are at that level of scoring, and the, it was all fair points. And I think I'm just at the point of, you know what? I was pretty disappointed with that first pick in the second round by Detroit because they just missed out on Kaliev and Brink because I believe Philly traded up for Brink, um, and they passed on Hoaglander who would have been my pick at that spot, and Robertson who really shouldn't even have fallen that far to Toronto. And Tuomisto was off the board. Like the only real people who were giving us info on Tuomisto were like European scouts and fans. Um, so it's nice to see at least these beginning stages of his development are going well. Is this a guarantee moving forward? Oh, God, no. We've seen a lot of players do well at this stage. Like think of Ryan Spruill, how well he did in the OHL and then just nothing translated. But at least it's nice to have him have some success at this stage. It makes watching the Hoaglander highlights a lot easier. And also the all the comparables to Tuomisto, like putting it just seems dumb to me because nobody's done what he's. Do you know how few Finnish players commit to the NCAA so they go back to play junior, even though they know they could absolutely play pro? The only reason he's in the junior league is because he actually cannot play pro, or else he's no longer eligible to go to Denver in the NCAA next year. How many Finnish players have been in his position? So few. He is walking a unique path, so of course the comparables are going to look weird. Because all his comparables were guys who were never drafted and knew they were going to spend their entire career in Finland. Yeah, but wouldn't that also mean that he's a stronger player than the players there? Yes. Yeah, well. Anyways. You would hope he's a stronger player than them (laughs) because they were all undrafted and he went in the second round. So, no, this is uh, the quintessential no shit Sherlock. Um, I... I was tweeting from the podcast account today and I took a... I've been taking heat from a couple of people, um based on like just a quick joke that i made and i was like yeah maybe this is a reminder that i need to be a little bit more positive so this is one of the positives that we're just going to take and roll with and uh, as the development goes on then we'll give a little bit more analysis on it the rule number rule number one about positivity on twitter don't tweet (laughs) yeah it's true oh well it was uh when when promen put out the tweet about the draft lottery i put a, a quick like screenshot of a calendar event on the same day that just says disappointment and someone said, <clears throat> someone made a, a comment about like, you know, this is stupid. 18 and a half percent doesn't mean zero and 50% doesn't mean a hundred. 
And I was like, yeah, just making a joke. And they're like, this is a stupid way to think, or that's a terrible way to live life. The Red Wings are going to get their best draft pick. Thanks for the life coaching. Yeah. And in a long time. And I was like, yeah, like your attitude is actually the right attitude to look at. Like this is the Red Wings are going to have their best pick in a long time, no matter what. And their top four or top five this year is stacked. So like, you're right. I was literally just making a quick joke. And they were like, if only someone with your platform would say as much. I was like, oh, you don't listen to the podcast, do you? Because <laughs> that's like I have a terrible analogy. I'm not going to say. <laughs> no, that. I've I've come. I've got it. You want a really really good rule to follow on Twitter that actually I've been implementing for the last two months, and it's changed my life. If someone's like being inflammatory towards me in my responses, first thing I do is I click the response. Go well, that's stupid. And then I click on their profile. Do they follow me? No. Okay, they're not going to see anything else I post, so I'm just moving on. It's amazing. That's reasonable. It's life-changing. If someone's being inflammatory and I go, follow me, oh, okay, well, I got to justify myself now because you're going to keep coming at me. Mm. Yeah. Even then, I am. it's only about 50% of the time. Number of times I just want to tell people to just shut the fuck up. <laughs> but I don't. Fired. You're fired. <laughs> but I don't. But I don't because I, you know, I'm a man Eugene of the people. Melnick. I'm a man of the people. You are. You're a, you're a populist. You're a man of the people. Yeah. Everyone loves you for, for no I will reason. let them continue to flame at you guys without <laughs> stepping in. Thanks for the support, man. Um, <clears throat> we're going to transition to the next piece, which is uh, the NHL salary cap is projected to have a big rise next season. It's just like your mic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it does. It's tightened all the way. I don't know, man. It's gripping it too tight. Frick. Uh, the NHL salary cap is is expected to be anywhere from eighty four to eighty eight point two million dollars next season, which is um, a big jump. It's currently eighty one and a half, yeah. something like that. And I think we need to throw cold water on this because um, I saw a quote from a player agent that said, "Yep, this is exactly what happened last year too, and it didn't go up because when you look at how much HRR hockey related revenues went up." It hasn't went up 5%. So why is the cap going up by 5%? Well, they have, they have a choice with their escalator. Yeah. So this is, and how many times has the NHLPA used their max escalator? They haven't. So last year, they only used the escalator for, I think, 1.2%. So if you go those projections, it's lower than what the NHL just sent out. So uh, the agent's like, yeah, this is just posturing. Don't bank on it. If it does, and he's like, if it does, amazing. But don't bank on it. There's, I I know and I remember that like the, the the talks of it rising a lot, and the Chicago's and the Toronto's were very excited, and then it didn't end up happening. But um, I have to go back and listen. But Frieden was talking about why this would be um, a little bit more likely to go up. Um, there's a lot more security. Um, there's a lot more. Like a lot of kind of convoluted stuff with escrow and, and how the cap rises, the players might be more inclined to use a higher amount of that escalator. Um, moving the the CBA talks down the line also help as well. But again, nothing's certain. Um, but for now, for the sake of this discussion, we'll talk about what happens if the cap is set at, say, $85 million. So in a $3.5 million rise. Um, you tweeted, Brad, what was Detroit's outlook if that... Like if, if the $85 million range is set, they would have like, what, $40 million in cap space? About that. And they don't have many players that would eat up the chunk. Mantham, Bertuzzi are the only big contracts coming from in-house. Yeah. The, They'll still, not that they won't have other contracts to hand out. They're probably going to retain Fabry, obviously, and then probably a bunch of Timishov, Ernie, 
Perlini's, Perlini's and, of the world. They because they still need to put bodies in the lineup, so they're going to absolutely have to sign some of these guys. They don't have anybody standing behind Bernier right now for next year, so they're going to have to sign a goalie. But most of those guys are going to come in close to league minimum, if not not that far above it. So even if you sign ten of them, and Bertuzzi and Mantha eat up, we'll go really high and say fifteen million between them. That's only about twenty five million. You still have fifty. 15 million to do whatever the hell you want with and what the red wings should do with that is nothing yeah there's i don't think any anybody should be expecting next season to be as bad as this one i think the team will definitely not want that um i wouldn't be surprised to see eisenman seek out a player that might have uh, use for the team over the next two to five years but that's not something that's very easily attainable or common like he got Fabry, which pending a, an extension uh, with his next RFA deal is going to be part of this team moving forward. But that was uncommon and that was difficult. And that was Eisman capitalizing on an opportunity, which was Fabry wanting out of St. Louis and St. Louis wanting to do right by him. Um, that's not easy to get. And I think looking back, a lot of teams would have made that trade if they had that same opportunity. Um, I do see Eisman maybe equipping this team to be a little bit better next year, though. Yeah, as he should. This is a good summer to roll some dice on relatively short-term contracts on players who are better than they're perceived. Like right now, if I'm Steve Eisenman, my number one unrestricted free agent target going into the summer of all people is Alex Galchenyuk because he will come in dirt cheap, but he still provides reasonable middle six scoring. Probably more so for the third line than the second. But right now, Detroit's got the worst bottom six in the NHL by a country mile. If you can put a guy like Galchenyuk in there at like $3 million a year, yeah. you absolutely do it. Eric Gustafson, who Chicago just gave up on and traded to Calgary for a song. He's not that far removed from a 60-point season as a defenseman. You absolutely take a flyer on that. And uh, a more surprising one, I was reading on what, it's all rumors, but what the contract demands were by the player before Chicago traded him. Robin Leonard was not looking that long term. Absolutely, you gamble on him. And those guys will not eat up that even if you only have 15 million cap space, those guys will not even come close to eating that up. And you can still keep the cap space so you can weaponize it. So you can take on, let's say, Louis Erickson's contract from Vancouver to get a sweetener and to get a prospect. Or you're going to take on, maybe Anaheim wants to ditch David Backus's contract or so on and so forth. You look at stuff like that and go, yeah, we'll take this guy, stick him in Grand Rapids, eat his cap hit. You give us a nice second round pick. We'll call it a day. This is what Detroit should be doing with the cap space. Not Tori Krug, not Alex Petrangelo, as sexy as it all sounds and as fun as that would be. That's not what they should be doing with this. Because Tori Krug is, what, 28 now? Even if you get him on a good cap hit, this team still sucks for three years. So you're getting Tory Krug air quotations for his 32 year old year, 33 year old year. Yeah, no thanks. Well, he improves the team, but he doesn't turn him into a contender in three years. What if they sign him to five by eight? Five years, eight million per. Yeah. You think the Red Wings are going to be a cup contender in five years? Last year of it, they might be a playoff contender. Last couple of years. This team is so bad. I, I think we're going to start even thinking about the playoffs in five years. I think maybe three years optimistically I could see them making a run for the playoffs, but they're not going to contend. You don't get into the playoffs one year and then go, we're winning the cup the next year. No, okay, but look, 
I I don't want to project too far out with a certainty because you're right. Looking at this roster now with like N working in the first line or whatever's happening in practice, yeah, you could easily look at it and say, I don't know how this is all going to change in four years, but a lot changes in that amount of time. And instead of trying to predict what can change or what ch- will change, I think we say it is reasonable to say with a miracle, maybe in two years, this team is looking at, okay, now we can make the playoffs. I think optimists can reasonably say three years and you're a playoff team. If you're an optimist, like a, you're very positive and you're, you're sure some kind of move that you can't predict is going to happen. Um, but you're, I don't know. I, I just don't want to get too mired into looking at this roster now and saying only these steps that I can think of won't, won't save. We'll it. look for the Tory Krug in three to five years. I think rather than doing the current ter- Tory Krug. So find a new one. A hypothetical, what's more likely to benefit the sustained long-term success of the Detroit Red Wings? Tory Krug in his early 30s or let's say hypothetically the first round pick you got from the Vancouver Canucks to oh, take yeah, on yeah. Louis Erickson's contract. And that's my thing. I was like, if you're a Red Wings fan, you almost hope for a less of a cap escalation because if you were working with f- near $40 million in cap space, the guys you have to re-sign – aren't going to come in so expensive or it's going to eat up all of that. Like you're not signing three McDavid's. Um, you want a lower cap hit. So the Toronto's, the Arizona's, the Vancouver's, these high spending teams are now locked up. You want Tampa Bay to be locked up. You want Anaheim to be locked up. You want uh, St. Louis and Winnipeg and Carolina. You want them all to be locked up. And so you have an opportunity to buy their bad contracts in exchange for those assets that Brad talked about. Because you you still, like, if you want to bring in a Galchenyuk and he's like, I want half a mil more than you're asking me for and you can take a year off the term, Eisman will be like, yeah, sure. What's half a mil? Bad cap creates dumb decisions. Remember how Pittsburgh just paid a third-round pick to acquire Patrick Marlowe at the deadline? We're less than a year removed of Toronto giving Carolina a first-round pick to get rid of Patrick Marlowe. Yeah. Those are the contracts we need. Yeah. Third players we need to take. Yeah, I remember Max talking about... Um, Seeing Eiserman and, and Blashill, or Eiserman and Blashill, Eiserman and Dubas talking to each other at the draft. And oh, I can only imagine Detroit was so close to taking on that Marlowe deal, but I think Dubas didn't want to give up that first round pick in the division, which is smart. You're talking about divisional first round picks, and we're all worried about Ottawa and their two and them getting two of these top end players. Um, yeah, so you would. Almost want the cap hit the cap rise to be lower for the reasons we just talked about. But again, an advantage is if you want to look at those guys in the Galchenyuk realm that Brad just talked about, um, you're happy to be working with more money because then you can take on those projects and 100,000, 200,000 doesn't matter to you the same way it matters to Kyle Dubas in Toronto, where literally $50,000 makes a difference in your cap. Yeah, because Galchenyuk's like, what, 25, 26? Cool. It's Robbie Fabry 2.0 if he hits. How is that how old he is? He's, he's he 26. Be. He yeah, just turned 26. Yeah, he can't be that ago. old. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Across the league is say it rose or what the projected cap hits are next year. Arizona is projected to spend 80 million with, with what they have now. Like each of these teams only has a certain amount of players locked down. Um, Winnipeg is only is spending 73 million, which is the sixth most, but they only have 10 players locked down. Oh my God. Yes. 10 players and they're spending $73.5 million. Winnipeg's need something to change. I don't know if that factors in Buffalo. I think you just screen cap the cap. Probably does, but. Though they need something to change for sure. Buffalo will ease it on them, but they definitely need some relief. There's a, there's a lot of opportunities. And that's why I don't get too wrapped up in that those long-term projections. Eisenman's shown 
an aptitude to getting teams out of a basement. I know the Tampa Bay situation was different, but yeah. Um, all right. Prospects. Tankathon. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's happening. Have we won one yet where we haven't had to do a redo on it? No. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. We're doing it once today. Legitimately just once. Three, two. <laughs> Speaking of Winnipeg, LA, Florida. Florida. Oh. oh. No. Well, yeah, they have the replacement for um Trocheck Trocheck right, right there. there. They got Quinn Byfield and then Winnipeg moving up to third and Detroit fourth. Are all of our picks the same? It's annoying when we keep getting fourth repeatedly. Yeah, I wonder what's going to happen yeah. on April 9th or whenever I, it was. It's just prepping us so we're prepared. So you can die on your Marco Rossi hill on the live stream. I'll die on my Lucas Raymond hill. And Evan can die on his Del Vecchio hill. All right. Here's the thing. Like, for people who maybe haven't been listening too long, because I know a lot of you came after the um, trade deadline, um, or people who maybe just, I guess, follow us on Twitter and only read memes instead of listening to the podcast, just to reiterate, great year to be unlucky this year. Also a great year to get first overall. Oh, sure is. It sure is. Like, yes, Alexi Lafreniere is going to be likely a game-changing player for whoever drafts him. A franchise player, um, one of those top-end talents that doesn't matter what position he plays, it looks like he's going to tilt the ice whenever he's on it. Of course. That is the main prize. Anyone pretending otherwise is wrong or delusional. But having your choice of possibly byfield or Stutzla, or Raymond, or Rossi, or Drysdale, who I think whoever gets Drysdale is going to get an amazing defenseman. He's just getting drowned out by the other great offensive prospects. I don't see a world where the Red Wings don't walk away happy. Think of it how LA uh, probably felt after they drafted Turcotte fifth. He's been having a bad year. Yeah, he has not not been having a phenomenal year. But at the time, like Turcotte was seen as probably the best all around player outside of Jack Hughes. So, well, I mean, Capocacco, of course. Um, you're, this not when we joke about, yeah, we're not going to get it. We're not going to get it. A, we're making a joke about statistics because there's a greater than fifty percent chance that the Red Wings aren't going to get first overall. And two, it's just joking. Like it's it's jokes. It's it's a mascar pain. It's leveling out some expectations. It's so if it if it does happen, which is what's likely, everyone kind of expects it. The platform if we we're going to start talking about platform if we got on here every single episode and talked about lafreniere 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 and never talked about anyone else imagine the devastation when that lottery ball drops and detroit is drafting second or third or fourth i'm still gonna be devastated oh for sure and that's reasonable there's an 18 percent chance i'm not 18 and a half sure yeah but they still have a phenomenal it's, it's the best chance they'll ever get and we'll cross our fingers and if it doesn't happen, which is likely, there's great opportunities there. And we'll talk about all of them at length, and it'll be some great discussion, and the Red Wings are going to walk away happy at the draft, guaranteed. The Red Wings are not going to walk away disappointed at the draft, guaranteed. Stop telling me how to feel. Have you met me? Mm, yes. <laughs> That's all I do. Now, if we get the first overall oh, pick. Oh, boy. Feel however you want. Oh, Pretty confident in that. And be like that... Uh um the My, joseph coney guy oh. <laughs> i'm gonna be yeah I'm, yeah i'm gonna yeah, be good I got, I got the reference yeah i'm gonna be running down the street butt naked 
I'm going to be like Ryan's mic and go 6 to 12 in a hurry. Yeah. We'll be on a couple lists. I'm convinced you guys grease this mic stand. That would actually be the only thing that's greased that (laughs) night. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) There's an image of Brad I didn't need. Yeah. Yeah, that one might have to be Patreon exclusive just for the sake of uh, <laughs> releasing it to as few eyes as possible. It'll be that's uh, the draft lottery. Wait, is that after the final home game? Yeah, five days. Hmm, never mind. Yeah. Um, question for you guys: Jamie Drysdale is he going to walk away being a near Makar Heiskanen type prospect, and people are going to pass on him because he's not the forward that they need, and they're going to regret it five, ten years from now? No, he's not that good. Are you sure? He's good. I have him a little... Right now, I have him a little behind where I had Bowen Byram last year. Let's, I don't think he's on the Bowen Byram tier just yet, but he ain't far off. Let's say Detroit drafted Turcotte instead of Cider last year. How would you feel about him? I'd feel great about him. Would you prefer him at four over anyone else if that was the case? I would not. Interesting. I'm still BPA, and I have my top four in my mind right now pretty firmly set. Time for that to change. Opinions change. More viewings changes my opinion. But right now, I have a top four, and he is not in it. Hmm. I don't know. I, I th- Maybe it's just because of uh, being not burned. Like, the Red Wings didn't have a choice. They couldn't draft Heiskanen. They couldn't draft Makar. But you watch those teams pick up those players. And then, like, obviously, Quinn Hughes is a player that six teams missed out on. You see that, and you're like... Is it's Arizona's this- fault we didn't draft Quinn Hughes. Well, it would have been Bouchard if it wasn't. True. We don't know that for sure. It's still Arizona's fault. It's still... I, I would like to also blame Arizona. Correct. The Building a city in that desert is a testament, testament to man's arrogance. Yep. I think that's the line. Great show. Oh, I miss King of the Hill. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm getting that feeling with Drysdale, and it's like I'm really guilty of getting into like habitual thinking with the draft, but it's just like pain. Like every time I watch McCarr and watch Heiskanen and watch Quinn Hughes, and this is a team that hasn't had Lidstrom for how long, I'm like, we just need that number one guy. Yeah, but defensemen always jump spots because they're defensemen. So there's a very, I'm going to call it more than reasonable chance, Jimmy Drysdale goes third and he's not even a consideration for Detroit. Yeah, actually, if we're looking at Drysdale right now, his rise, or like, actually, you just had, uh, your tankathon had Winnipeg going three. I would think they strongly look at Drysdale with how thin their blue line is right now. Yeah, that's a great point. I think there's almost no world outside of drafting one or two where, where Winnipeg doesn't take a defenseman. With their first pick. They are they're desperate. Desperate for defensemen. What uh what's the next defenseman on the board there? Uh Jake Sanderson. Yeah, maybe? I think J- Sanderson. And he'll like he's what ranked like mid teens right now, like 14, 15. Yeah. I'd be surprised if he goes past 10. We see it Probably. every year. All the top defensemen move up. All of them. Yep. Cider dramatically. Um Broberg. Broberg was one Broberg was like such a typical case of a defenseman. Defensemen are so sparse and it's so hard to find certainty in defensemen. So when you find a top ranked defenseman, teams reach. So yeah, Drysdale's not probably not going to fall past fourth, maybe fifth. And if he's already ranked top four, top five, this guy might go third. He might go third. It all depends on draft order again. What if he goes second? He could. Can you imagine? Someone takes Drysdale over Byfield. I'm here for that type of chaos as if, long as it's if, not Detroit. <laughs> if you're Florida and you kept Trocheck and you have Barkov and Trocheck and 
you have a chance. Well, I don't know if they would take drugs. Yeah, if I if I get Byfield in three years, I'm sh- I'm just literally taking a shotgun and pointing Trocheck over to the wing. Yeah, get going, buddy. Yeah, you, you're done here. You close your eyes. You point at the UFA list. Bam, that's your new second line winger. It doesn't <laughs> matter who it is. Um, some quick hits around the league. Um, uh, Ottawa CEO or director of hockey ops. I can't remember CEO. I believe uh, Jim Little was fired after less than two months on the job. Oh, Ottawa. And it was, uh, the Ottawa statement was for actions inconsistent with the team's core values. So you immediately think, oh, he tried to improve the team. How dare he? (laughs) Oh, he spent some money, which was not cool. You think like those horrendous abuse cases or, you know, something weird. And you're like, oh, and then Gary Bettman came out and said, it's not what you think. And Gary Bettman wouldn't say that. Like he doesn't. With the Montgomery said Casey said it's specifically nothing hockey related, blah blah blah. But with Jim Little, he said it's not what you think. And I was like, what happened? Did he Ottawa's because you're missing the big point? Ottawa's <laughs> statement just absolutely sewered him. Oh yeah, as they tend to do. They just chucked him right under the bus. Well, I mean, they fired the guy, so they didn't know him anything. But like, they just threw him right in the bus. So Jim Little had to come out and say, "Ha, whoa, 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 no." He got into an argument, and he specified on Valentine's Day, which was funny, with Eugene Melnick over the phone where he said he swore at him. Long story short, he swore at him. I'm sure the swear words... He said he apologized as well the next yeah. day. And look, you swearing at your boss and you know, cussing I swear out, with my boss. Yeah. Sure. All the time. But if you have a boss who's a, a stickler and is is more proper and likes the respect and you swear at them, you, you should expect to be fired. That's a reasonable outcome. But with everything that's happened to this hockey team and with how they presented that, he got fired for using a swear word is the most natural progression of this whole tragedy that is the Ottawa Senators that I've ever heard. If that's Probably any- shouldn't swear at the person who signs your paychecks. Obviously. But if he was brought in under the premise of like, we need a change in culture, we need like someone to like make these hard calls. And then he swears at you when he tries to make a hard call or oh, I don't know what the situation was, if that is what it is. I'd, I'd call them like up and call the, <laughs> the same thing again after I got fired. If you're a director of hockey ops or a president or a CEO and every move you make has to go through Eugene Melnick and Eugene Melnick has a say in your moves, based on what we've seen from Eugene Melnick, I guarantee anyone in the world would have sworn. That was- if, it's, if it's only been two months and you're already dro- driven to madness, it's probably your, the, the higher up. Ned Flanders would have sworn at Eugene Melnick. It's true. Well, we're also forgetting to the timeline here. He, as of now, he's worked for the team for just less than two months. This argument happened three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, man, Milnick has really been stewing on that one. And we're uh-huh. working with the information we have now. So for sure, something else is going to come out. And it's going to make this whole thing spicier. Okay. But that's why we love all I that. have a new game. Yeah. <clears throat> what caused the argument between Melnick and Little? I have a theory. Hmm. On his coach flight, he upgraded from the chicken meal to the beef. <laughs> Um, he got the emergency seat with more leg room. On a team lunch, he let people order guacamole with their bowls. Yeah, that's bad. That's rough. Um, what else? <laughs> he <laughs> refused to trade Thomas Shabbat after the trade deadline. Yeah, well, there's a lot of options here. Maybe we'll continue to play. This will be our, our new pickup game here. He went to the $10 crap stable instead of the 5 You love craps, eh? It's my favorite game by a lot. The e-buck situation. The NHL Board of Governors came out and shocked everyone and said, 
yeah, there's no need to be reactionary. And we were all like, wait, that's reasonable. I do think there's certainly opportunity where they can say we need a more consistent presence and just make sure that they don't work for a team. But I don't even think that's what they were talking about. I think they were someone proposed like have like a random former ECHL goalie and keep them, pay them 80 grand a year and travel them with the team. Owners and GMs didn't like that because costs and like, yeah, you know, I think they're being a little bit cheap and it would be good to have, but the current system is so rare. I kind of agree with them not changing anything right now. Yes. It's yeah. happened twice in the history of the NHL. Who cares? It's happened more than twice in the history of the NHL. It's happened where they've actually went in. Yeah. Not in the modern NHL then. Maybe not in the modern NHL, but it's happened before in the past. Oh yeah. Back where one team where goalies teams would carry one goalie and they played without a mask. <laughs> yeah. No, I can understand. I can see why the difference between <laughs> the difference between the actual goalie and the guy in the stands was razor thin. Yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking of rule changes, new puck technology. Is that what you're saying? No. What? Oh, they oh! banned offside review. Just kidding. They didn't do that because they couldn't go full common sense. They went with the plane. They went with the common sense that I asked them for, which is a new flip for me. It was earlier this season where I finally broke and I agreed with Brad. I took a long shower after that. They changed the rule to you should do the honors. Instead of your skate having to physically be on the ice to be deemed offside. You can have it in the air now, so it's going to be a lot easier to pick up on the camera angles if you were or were not over the line. And also, there'll be less offsides because you just need to keep over the plane, similar to how a touchdown is scored in the NFL. Football goes over plane, touchdown. Simple. Okay. I still would do away with the reviews, but it's a step in the right direction. It's a mini victory. Um, I was against it for a while because I had the opinion of if your foot's in the air, it could be dangerous. I eventually realized that it was stupid and the detriment to the game that was happening based on these ticky-tacky offside reviews where a guy's foot was obviously over the blue line, but it was maybe just a bit in the air was pointless. I have changed my opinion and the NHL has listened to me. And thus, someone in the NHL listens to the Winged Wheel podcast. Ipso facto. We don't use ipso facto enough. I only like to use it ironically. Um, the coronavirus is that's disgusting. That was the grossest thing Brad's ever done. It's in Waterloo. <laughs> it actually is. Yeah, it's it, in this very room <laughs> <laughs> between the two of us. Yeah. It actually is. Um, look, I, I'm not trying to fear monger here, but the NHL is already put in place where it, the NHL employees, not team employees, like the NHL's employees, um, like there's certain travel, not restrictions, but travel guidelines or recommendations and if they do travel to those places it's not on team business i mean it should be restricted yeah you don't go to a coronavirus hotspot italy is like they they had i think 41 cases in the last 24 hours 41 deaths in the last 24 hours it's not not a big deal without getting into nitty-gritty about epidemiology and who it's affecting um that's not a conversation that i feel like having having because none of us are experts give it to me straight ryan what are my odds of surviving this um it mostly affects uh people who are immunocompromised or very old so unfortunately brad you will not survive damn it yeah so silver lining for us of all for us all less brad sorry to the brad brigade all 12 of you um that's like half our listeners if this thing does if this thing doesn't i don't i don't want to say get under control it's a pandemic 
you're starting to look at the Olympics might be canceled. You're starting to look at international events. You're looking at conventions, like all these things are already being canceled in, in advance. Um, if this moves into the States at a rapid rate, is this going to affect the playoffs? Is this going to affect games? There's already professional sports over in Europe and Asia where they're forced to either not play at all or play in empty arenas and stadiums. Isn't that what Italy's doing right now? Yeah, I believe they also shut down schools. I'm not completely sure. Also a good idea. Like, this is a very real thing, and I think it's naive to think that it can't make it to North America. I think being protected by an ocean is great. Like, that's obviously a huge advantage, and that's why Europe has been ravaged, um, proximity to the the source. But still, like, it's kind of something that was brought up and i was like yeah that might actually be affecting i not it i wouldn't put money on it don't go predicting it don't go saying like it's definitely going to happen but it's something that it makes people stop and think about oh, oh what about these massive gatherings of people we yeah. we do and make money off of the state of california already recommended the sharks stop uh bringing fans to their games seriously yeah, that was on Twitter. So I was reading that so an hour an hour before we <laughs> not we'll, a we'll we'll go with that. Uh yeah, I think I was reading it an hour before I got here. They were saying that they they didn't because they still have an attendance tonight, but yeah, apparently they got a recommendation to not cuz California is starting to get a bit of it. And uh, you know, without knowing anything from anything, just uh, reading all the stories about the way this is being handled in the states, it's not if, it's when. Um at least it's taught people to wash their damn hands. And that's the silver lining to this all. Did you see that one video um, circulating the internet about all the, the, the figure, the spokesmen's and figureheads saying, and don't touch your face or like wash your hands. <laughs> and then it's like literally five seconds later, the person's like rubbing their nose and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, we're all going to die. When I went to the clinic for my man cold, um, it was packed and everyone was like afraid to touch each other. It was so nice because I'd hate large crowds of people as is. And so everyone just kind of gave me my space. It was so good. So my uh, my buddy's a salesman and he travels a ton for work. And his company has mandated that everyone needs to have a mask. And it's not one of those like blue hospital masks. The one they recommended that they all the employees get literally looks like what Bane wears in Batman. <laughs> I was like, dude, I was like, do not wear that ever. Like... You, I would take the risk of the coronavirus than for people mislabel me as like a terrorist or something like that because it's brutal. I need uh, – we need Steve back just to do his Bane voice again. I was just going to do my Bane voice and I was like, no, Steve's Bane voice was hysterical. And with uh, that, before we dive too far into coronavirus, we're going to head over to Overtime, uh, which is our – oh, wow, over an hour before Overtime. Uh, we're going to head over to Patreon. It's a midweek episode, so we're going to read uh, exclusively Patreon comments for Overtime uh, as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show. We're going to start with Joseph D'Elia, who very cleverly says, all right, guys, I guess we don't have any Patreon comments. Thank you for listening. You can turn it off now. The outro isn't working. Goodbye, all. Uh, Dead Panda Society says, so I ha- um, I just watched the Bob Prober documentary and the Russian Five documentary. Is there any other ones that I should watch? I saw Ice Guardians um, on Ama, no free ads, Zon. And I will watch, but I would like to see more. Anything that you know that I haven't mentioned. Thanks and have a good day, Dub Dub. Uh, other, I don't know about any other Red Wings related documentary. Uh, good hockey documentaries. If you haven't gone back and watched, I really highly, highly recommend um, all the HBO 24-7 series. And then it eventually went to... Who picked up 24-7? I don't know. Showcase? Showcase, maybe. Showtime. I can't remember what Showtime. it's called. 
Red Army. I think they had a Red Army documentary. Yeah. Yeah, there was one. Yeah, I think there was a Red Army one. Goon was a really good hockey documentary. Yes, it was. Mystery Slap- Alaska. <laughs> Slapshot. Screech Owls, if you can find them. Oh, my God. Joe Falzone. That one episode of Breaker High. Yeah. Joe Falzone says the entire season has felt like the offseason. Do you think if they bury slash bio Abby and Franz, they give an A to Bertuzzi? Or is there a more likely candidate on the team? Why don't we just t- get rid of their A and give it to Bertuzzi? Uh, if we got rid of Nielsen and Abdelkader, I think it would be Larkin, C, and yeah, probably Bertuzzi, and I would say DeKaiser wearing the A's. Is DeKaiser healthy enough, or they give it to Glenn Denning? Because that was, uh, Joe's suggestion. Oh, no, yeah, the A on DeKaiser's works in two ways. Assistant when he's playing, absent otherwise. Yeah. Uh, Harun Khan says, do you think Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi, and the core of this team can take another step forward, or is this what they are? McKinnon and company in Colorado had a similar type season in 2016, 2017, until the next year where they all popped off. I guess I'm being a little bit too wishful, but I hope it happens. I badly want a huge turnaround to clean away the stench of historically bad. I think Larkin and Mantha could. Mantha's will come just by way of playing 82 games. Yeah. Uh, and Larkin's been up and down. I think he'll settle in close to a point per game player, and that's who he is. Um, yeah, I don't think McKinnon is a special case. He was a former first overall pick that I think had a very normal progression. Uh, McKinnon is kind of the poster boy for this argument that we keep putting out there, which is not everyone's going to be Crosby and Ovechkin. Please stop expecting first overall picks to be dominant right away. That's what happened with McKinnon. People kind of wrote him off. He signed for super cheap, and all of a sudden, he's one of the best players in the world, playing for about half of his value. Um, I don't think the Red Wings have one of those in their system, but yeah, Mantha's due to step up. I think Larkin, if he does take a step up, it will be because he actually has a full set of teammates who can support and play a little bit better with him. Uh, Chris says, uh, hey, guys, the best loss of the season was against Colorado. Fabry was trying to kill someone out there each shift. Going off grit and skill combined, who is the best, op- best option for a fourth-line grinder-type player in the system right now? Luke Glendening, right? Giovanni Smith. Giovanni Smith is actually the answer. Are we going to talk to prospects like who long-term could be? Yeah. Honorable mention to Chase Pearson? I would need to see more NHL time. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah, but I think Giovanni Smith and, and Glenn Denning get that nod over him. Um, also, the waiver pickups look great, except um, also the waiver pickups look great, except he can put the puck in the right place a hundred times and never get a point playing with Abdulkader and then. Oh, he's talking about Timoshov. Timoshov, yeah. Did you see the lineup for the next game? No. Oh, this is the worst one Blashill's ever put together. Don't save yourself. <laughs> he's just messing around at this point. Yeah, here, here's a. Uh, Here's, I saw here, the first line, not all of them. Here's here's four words for the fourth line for you. Fourth line, Robbie Fabry. Hell yeah. I'm all... Why not? Let's go. Evan is the center for that go. line, yeah. A dog is the right winger. Uh, it's hard to come up with non-repetitive questions with the season, so here goes my shot at something original. Evan, you're Stevie Y, Brad, no. you're Mantha, and Ryan, you're Bert. Okay, Brad and Ryan, say what your asking price is and back it up with why. Stevie, give your counterpoints to why that number should be lower. If Evan doesn't show one of you, be both players and fight over who gets to be Stevie. I don't know if you hate it. Uh, just move on and I'll come up with something better. No, that's good. <laughs> Thanks for the pod. All right. If I'm Bertuzzi, I, my starting ask is $6.5 million. Yeah, but why? Uh, I was the most consistent player all season. I made the all-star game. Um, I was the only person who matched Larkin in terms of goals or points. Um, I do everything on the ice. I work my ass off. 
my progression has shown and I'm still young. You want to lock me up long term? I'm part of this core. Six and a half million dollars. You made the all-star team because we had to send someone there. Yeah, and I can't separate the Ryan from the Bertuzzi here. <laughs> You're Mantha, Brad. Give me eight by seven because I'm the best player on this team, and I promise I'll stop breaking myself trying to hurt other people. I think he asked for higher than that to start. I think so, too. I think he'll actually maybe do that deal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sam M says, this is a bit uh, off the wings topic, but my local beer league ended on Sunday. Team of mostly first year players won the lower division. It's pretty freaking awesome. In my few weeks, in a few weeks, my local rank is closing down for some needed upgrades. I live in Alabama and the chiller, amongst other things, is struggling to keep up. That's a shocker. My question to the dub dub nation is what do I do for the next six to eight months to get that hockey fix? I finally got back on the ice last year for the first time in over a decade. I'm hooked again. Also, the wings did stuff. Also, the wings did stuff. Nielsen scored, so that's cool. He's down to six hundred fifty-six thousand against the cap per point this season. Sorry, I had to slip in some more horrible facts about the wings. Um, ways to fill yourself in: follow the Roll, draft, roller hockey, golf. Yeah, that's very literally hockey. do anything else. If you want hockey content, follow the draft, which is literally what we pivot to after the draft. Play agency and then you're on your own. Everybody fends for themselves. August, just take a vacation. Golf. Yeah. Yeah, go golf. Josh Terrell says, Dub Dub, I feel like I watch a fair amount of hockey on a nightly basis. Pains me to say. Hold on, hold on. I gotta go back. Why was none of our suggestions to move out of Alabama? (laughs) Well, I don't know. That seems like the obvious answer there. What if they accidentally go to Ohio, though? Uh, yeah it's a it's a risk you got to take though (laughs) uh it pains me to say but i'm pretty confident justin applicator is literally the worst regular in the league do you guys agree and thanks for the bumper sticker man not to be inflammatory but maybe actually he's he's there no one's jumping leo komarov maybe no uh kyle okposo no (laughs) no they've all scored goals this year (laughs) oh no Okay, I I admit defeat. I can't think of anyone else. Brian says, I was just on Twitter and saw the Red Wings line in practice. Uh, He really hoped we don't uh, actually run a fourth line with Fabry and Perlini on it. In no universe should Abby be on the third line. I feel like as we get to the end of the season, mostly young players should be given all the ice time possible so they can show what they got. Blast just drives me crazy. Thanks for the podcast as always. Yes. Austin Heuser says, gents, so the cap is likely to go up to 84 to 88. Either way, the Wings will have a ton of room under the cap to make a few signings or weaponize that cap space. My question, though, if the cap goes to the top of that range, does that hurt the Wings and their ability to weaponize because all teams will have the additional space? Yes. Yes. It's what we mentioned earlier. So the Wings are in a unique position where they can actually hope for a lower cap. Um, Or is this just good news all the way around for the Wings? It's definitely not horrible news no matter what. Or is the perpetual doom of the season along with the inevitability of picking fourth in the draft just too much so we shouldn't so we should just pack it all in and hibernate till next season starts? Hell no. Yes. No, we have the draft lottery coming up. We have draft content. We shouldn't hibernate. We should enjoy ourselves for the first time in a while. Uh, the Niebler says, is there anyone in this upcoming free agent class you would consider citing for a short-term small cap hit as a stopgap? Leonard Gustafson Galchenyuk. Um, any top-end free agents you'd sign to accelerate the rebuild? No. I mean, if they're all willing to take discounts, I'll take all of them. But given what they're actually going to command, no. For the right price, I'll take Cor- Tory Krug. But I don't think Tory Krug is signing for the right price. He's not leaving Boston for the right price. He's staying in Boston for that price. Philip Gastineau says, hi, Brad. I have a really important question. Should we buy out Justin Applicator's contract? <laughs> I think that's been asked every week. I think he's done the since joke. the start of the year. He's doing because I've funny. been for two years explaining why buying out a player now is stupid and pointless and 
He's just rubbing some salt in. Steve E says, make the hurting stop. I'm 32 with two kids and an exchange student. Hey, that's, that's like Brad. Brad. Yeah. It's like the foreign version of Brad. Yeah. <laughs> 32 and two kids. What? Yeah. What? And watching the wings plays like being stuck in a car on a long trip and all of them are whining and hungry. Moving on. Off-season hot take. The wings trade for PK Subban and Goss Despair for um, 2022 first rounder McIsaac. No. no. And Heronic and Valeno. I would take both of them as cap dumps for the other team, which is plausible, but you're not giving up a premium asset to do that. Heronic, Valeno, and a second for Ghost Bear. If that happens, I will denounce my love for Steve Eisman. Heronic, Valeno, and what? A second for Ghost Bear. I wouldn't do Heronic for Ghost Bear. I wouldn't do Valeno for Ghost Bear. Straight up, one for one on either of them. The second I would consider. I would do a second. Off-season content idea, the best players at their draft pick spot. Example, Super Mario, the best first overall pick ever. Eisman, the best fourth, etc. Yeah, that's a good that's a good suggestion. Oh, that'd be cool. Matt Bocker says, do you guys think Stevie targets any RFAs? Oh. He's not offer sheeting anybody. They're not in a position to give up draft picks. So let's get that out there right now. I keep looking at Jeremy Bracco being stuck on the team whose Samboni driver beat the Leafs one net. If Stevie can get him to agree on a $2 million a year deal, it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't he be worth a third-round pick? I think he'd be worth a third-round pick. Well, yeah, and there's yeah. no reality in which Toronto doesn't match that. How much cap space does Toronto have? Uh, it depends on what the cap hit or the new cap hit is. They're spending near the top. Like they have a little bit of room, but not. But you a can ton. go ten percent over, so they just match it and then offer him up to trade around the league and probably do better than a third. I think Eisman's a pretty dynamic GM, and I think he's more likely to do the unlikely things than other GMs. I still think our offer sheets are just so rare; I would never bank on it. Matthew Keeler says hypothetical: Gary Bettman has decided thirty-two is not enough, and bumping the league to thirty-four. Where would you want to see two more cities get NHL teams? Quebec City. Quebec City for sure. Houston was one that I really liked. Are we talking about what's viable or what we want? Both. I don't know. Mix it up. I'm going Quebec City because that would be good either way. Yeah. And then, okay, I don't know if they have enough of a population to support, but if you want to talk about what would be a rowdy atmosphere and a lot of fun, give, give me Halifax. Yeah, Eastern Canada would give love me Halifax. I don't like the French, so I'm going to say no to Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> I will say Houston and then just for fun, let's put another team in Vegas. <laughs> two Vegas teams before two Toronto teams. Yep. I will forever resent the, the, idea the of Las the Vegas Black Knights. Yep. <laughs> Isn't there a movie called The Black Knight? Silver Knights. I don't care. Um, yeah, wasn't that with Heath Ledger? Was it Heath Ledger? No, was that was that a Knight's Tale? I don't know. The Black. No Knight. movie talk. Yeah, Terry's gonna be mad. Oh, that's a Monty Python skit. Oh. Oops. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Matt McKay says, good day, boys. With all the skate-to-face injuries this year, do you think the NHL will start to make the players wear full face masks to better protect their faces? Nope. No, because they're still dummies who don't wear a visor at all. So, of course, they're not going to do full cage. Well, they've grandfathered out of it. Yeah, but still. I think you'd sooner see fighting out of the game than full face masks. Players will really oppose that. Kevlar skin. At some, Yeah, well, why, why, why aren't Let's just they? get rid of the skates. How about that? Yeah, just... Skate really hard with your shoes. Yeah. Shay says, I've seen a lot of people talk about how Joe Valeno's season has gone with the Griffins. Coming off his unreal juniors career, what do you want to see from him this year to in- indeed constitute a good start to his professional career? 11 goals and 11 assists in 51 games is fairly solid, but the minus 26 is somewhat concerning. I don't know. He's gotten hot lately. I don't think looking at stats for his first year of professional hockey is ever going to please anyone unless he was like 
an I lights out explosive player, but typically a guy who goes at the end of the first round isn't all of a sudden dominating the AHL. Um, I think you want to see him work out the big holes in his game. You want to see him be able to deploy his two-way game, get used to playing professional hockey, just those kinds of things that like you you see directors of amateur scouting and in Eisenman will say this a lot. Like get those big core pieces, the fundamentals out of the way, and then we can start to worry about stats. Yeah. I just wanted to see progression and we've seen that. Uh, and yeah, he has been hot lately. So that's the kind of stuff you want to see. Confidence. You want to see confidence because the biggest thing that can kill a prospect who is maybe a steal, but maybe deserve that draft spot. Confidence. Eugene Melnick commented and said, Good day, Dud Duds. I've noticed that you've been doing a lot of swears lately on the talkie show. And as you know, I don't like swears. This behavior <laughs> is inconsistent with the core values of the Dud Dud and the National Hockey League. First, you alienate a listener. Now, this nonsense. If this keeps up, I may have to fire you. Put some Patreon bucks in the swear jar, aka my PayPal account, as a recompense. Well, Ottawa could really use the money. At least you managed to sort out the new Podloft deal. My arena deal is ongoing with the clearly corrupt and wrong city council or whoever. Also, I come to you with a proposal. If my beloved Ottawa Senators end up with the first overall pick, I am willing to trade it to the trade it for the Red Wings first rounder, but I'm going to need about $30 million US as well. Something to think about. Deal. <laughs> Jersey time. Sens jerseys are very ungood apart from the Heritage Classic. That's it. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly yep. with Eugene Melnick. We're not talking time. about the OG ones, right? No, no, no. no. The yeah, the current ones are the worst in the league. Stay fresh cheese bags. Okay, that is this episode's uh this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast um wrapped up. Guys, we are transferring podcast hosts right now. So that shouldn't mean any changes for you. But if you do notice anything different, please reach out and let us know. Um ooh, I think we actually have, I'm sorry, one more question here. Uh Hockey Town Guru says, uh, I'll start off with a fun one. Which Red Wings players would you want to sail the Sea of Thieves with? It's an Xbox slash PC game with I your pirates. Which Red Wings would you want to sail with? Bertuzzi. He's got long hair and is missing a tooth. Yeah, Bertuzzi would be sweet. Bertuzzi. Why do I think Erickson would be a good person to have with you? He looks like your movie star pirates. Um, former Red Wings, Peter Mrazek. He's a wild card. Uh, which players slash coaches make the best pirates? John Tortorella. Yes. John Tortorella is easily the best pirate, and I'll hear no other answer. What other players besides Bertuzzi make a good pirate? Brent Eric, league. Eric yeah. Carlson, literally, his whole shtick is to look like a pirate, apparently. Brent Burns, I think, would be a good pirate. Uh, Joe Thornton, on that note. Yeah, lots of players would be good pirates. San Jose. San, San Jose is good pirates. <laughs> the, whole, the whole league. Uh, and with that, we're going to wrap up this uh, episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We'd like to thank all of our listeners, our name-level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Terry. Thank you, Terry. Love you. Curtis LaPrize, Dead Panda Society, Brad Smith, our favorite Brad, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Mitchell Shinkowski, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Mike Reed, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Arjun Shanker, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Sean Levine, Ashley Van Conant, your friendly neighborhood beer rep, uh, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Rob Thiel, Simon Anderson, John Evans, Kwaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all. Stay tuned for meetup information and wash your hands. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.